Welcome to Blog Talk Radio, Overcoming Life's Obstacles. Today is December 17th, 2019. Pretty soon we're going to have a new year. It's amazing how fast the years pass, especially when you get to be almost 81. They go faster. Every day gets better, though, with Jesus. And so I appreciate you listening in. We're going to be uh, coming on air the first uh, the first Friday and the third Tuesdays of each month, and that'll be starting in, uh, I guess, in January. Anyway, welcome to Blog Talk Radio, and um, if you want prayer at the end of the uh, at the end of the teaching, if you call six four six five nine five four seven eight four, and don't forget to press one, I'll be happy to pray for you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you'll invite your friends to listen. Um, I'm Jerry McGee, and this is Abiding Life Ministries, and you can go to my website, um, jerrymcgee.com, which is all lowercase, G-E-R-I-M-C-G-H-E-E.com. There's lots of free things you can listen to, articles you can print out, free CDs you can listen to. But the message tonight, let me pray before we start. Father, in the name of Jesus. We just come before your throne. We thank you that you're the teacher. And, Lord, I ask you to anoint ears. I pray you give understanding, Lord, to each person who's listening in. Father, I just loose on each person of the fear of the Lord, the conviction of sin, a spirit of repentance, and the truth that sets us free. Lord, I ask you to cover every person who listens to this message with the blood of Jesus. Send forth your ministering angels to minister to each person. Father, I thank you that your word is forever settled in heaven. You watch over your word to perform it. Lord Jesus, you are the living word of God. And, Lord, we thank you. Bless the Lord, you as angels, mighty in strength, who watches over your word, Lord, to perform it. Lord, I just pray tonight, or whoever's listening, if it's day or night, that I'll be a tree of life, that rivers of living water will come forth from my innermost being. Uh, I just bind Satan, principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, wicked spirits in heavenly places from every person who listens to this message. I bind you in the heavenly places and on this earth forbid you to work with, communicate with, make contact with anyone on this earth or in the heavenly places to work divination against anyone who hears this message. Against my family, against Dorothy, her family, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I ask your peace that your peace will prevail in every life, in Jesus' name. I pray you help me uh, speak it in such a way by the power of your Holy Spirit that every person will understand what is spoken. And, Father, I just pray in Jesus' name that every person who hears this message will be different. Thank you for using it to, to in my life to change my life, Lord, and thank you that 
Lord, even though I don't get it all, I thank you that we're all a work in progress. And, Lord, we thank you that you're so patient and so loving with us. I bind and break every word of death, every word of iniquity, every curse assignment, satanic ritual spoken over this program, over Dorothy, her family, over me, my family, in the name of Jesus. Well, the title of this message is A Tranquil Heart, and I, uh, it's really a revelation of healing that came as I was seeking God for my own healing. It was a revelation that came to me, and I trust that God's going to use it in your life. Whether you have a physical problem or not, if you live long enough, um, I don't want to speak a curse, but it's possible that you could have uh, at least one physical problem. Anyway, praise God. I believe that uh, a tranquil heart, this is called a tranquil heart, a healing revelation. And I believe a a tranquil heart is key to us living in divine health. And I started to call the, me- the message uh, a revelation of healing, but then I decided to call it a tranquil heart because I believe that's the key to us having healing. Uh, having a, a tranquil heart is essential if I'm going to walk in peace uh, and have God's blessings on my life. A tranquil heart only comes as Jesus is Lord and Master of my life as I choose to give up my life that I might find it and it really came as a revelation to me that God gave me in me seeking God for my own healing Proverbs 14 30 says a tranquil heart is life to the body but passion rottens the bones so you see passion is the opposite of having a tranquil heart this is not uh, speaking of sexual passion it could be sexual passion but the word passion means anger In the Hebrew, it means anger, rivalry, jealousy, envy, wrath. Uh, And it could be a sexual passion, but not necessarily so. Basically, it's idolatry, and it's all flesh. And so when I'm living after the flesh, I don't have a tranquil heart. Most of us have been trained up not to have a tranquil heart. I was taught the Lord helps those that help themselves, and I used to feel guilty until one day I realized that's the only ones that God can't help are those that think they can help themselves. And thank God he's a merciful God. The Hebrew definition of tranquil, and I hope you'll hear this, it means cure. Now, this is the Hebrew definition of tranquil. It means to cure. It means medicine. It means to sew together or to mend. And so that's what tranquility does, if it's God's tranquility. I'm not talking about the tranquility we get through taking uh, psychiatric medicines that's demonic Uh, the dictionary definition of tranquil is to be free from disturbance it means calm and so when i speak in in this message of anxiety tension stress worry fretting stewing um these are all words that really mean the same the lack of tranquility and so it's really rooted in fear and fear is the opposite of faith Basically, fear is idolatry because it's trusting what Satan says rather than trusting what God says. And so when I live after the flesh, I'm really letting the life of Satan manifest through my life. Matthew 6, 19 says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on the earth where rust and moth and dust, uh, I'm sorry, and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. And you say, well, I'm not storing up anything. Well, but basically we all have stuff. We have things that we're striving after. 
and God is telling us not to be striving. Matthew six twenty it says, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust does not destroy and where thieves do not break into steel. Well, how do I store up for myself treasures in heaven? Um, I remember hearing this, and maybe you've heard it, that says, um, one life will soon be passed, but it's only what's done for Christ will last. And when I'm dying, how glad I will be if the lamp of my life has been burned out for thee. So living our life to serve God, you don't have to be a minister. The other day someone said, well, I don't, you know, I don't want to be a minister. You know, basically we're all ambassadors of Christ. You don't have to be a, quote, minister or preacher, but we're all, if we, if God's done anything in our life, we want to share it. So that's basically preaching, even though I'm not uh, maybe an established preacher. And so we storing up treasures for yourself in heaven means the things that you do for Christ are the things that you can take with you. You cannot take the world's goods with you, but whatever you do for Christ, it's just loving someone, giving somebody a cup of cold water, uh, just loving somebody, praying for somebody, is storing up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Matthew six twenty one says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So so then if your eye is clear means single, that's the word clear in the Hebrew means single, which means to have eyes only for Jesus. In the Song of Solomon, the Song of Solomon speaking to the bride, he said, my darling, your eyes are like dove's eyes. A dove has no peripheral vision. He can only see straight ahead. So he has a single eye. So God says, if your eye is single or clear, your whole body will be full of light, which means to be illumined. And basically, God has led me to this scripture because of, of eye problems. I'm seeking God for answers to eye problems. And there's a lot here that I uh, saw even tonight or today when I was studying. There's more things that I even want to study out in this that I don't yet know. There's some things that I'm not getting that I want to get. And Matthew 6:23 says, but if your eye is bad, which means to toil, it means to be toilsome, it means wicked, um, it means degenerate. Uh, you know, it could be the root of macular degeneration. If your eye is degenerate, it means to degenerate from the original virtue. It says, but if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that's in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? That's something that needs to be really studied out. I saw some other um, some other Greek words that I want to look up the meaning to. The word degenerate and um, wicked, I believe, came from a diff- some different references, but I want to see what they are. And so, I mean, I'll have to study this further. Uh, in the dictionary, uh, to toil means to work extremely hard or incessantly. So are you a person that is working extremely hard and incessantly? It, that God's not telling us not to work, but it's how we work. We're to work according to his mighty power in us, not to strive and in, 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 uh, fret after the flesh. Toilsome means involving hard or tedious work. In the Greek word to toil, to be toilsome, means evil, wicked, 
degenerate um, degenerates from the original virtue. Thus are just some words that means to toil. But so if the eye's bad, that word means toilsome or means to toil. So that means I'm striving after the wrong thing. And if it's, if if your problem, your eye problem or whatever problem you have is a generational thing, you can say, Well, my forefathers and I can say that's certainly true of my forefathers and true of me too, but I've never had to Work that. I mean, even though I work all the time, I like to work. Uh, I've never had a hard life like some people have, like I know that my forefathers had. But that's certainly true of all of my forefathers and myself that have had eye problems. Uh, Matthew six twenty four says, "No one can serve two masters." So if I don't have a single eye and I have a bad eye, that means I'm serving more than one master. So no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other, for you cannot serve God and wealth. And, you know, I can say my mother and father, they, um, you know, they believed in God, but they were not, even though they were good people, they spent their life accumulating wealth. And so... Uh, God says you can't serve two masters. So much so, so that you can serve two masters, you can serve wealth where you don't have time to have an intimate relationship with God or pray or spend time with God. Matthew 6:25. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life. And of course, worry, striving, toiling, fretting, stewing, all mean the same thing. Don't be worried about your life as to what you will Eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air that neither, I'm sorry, look at the birds of the air that they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much worth much more than they? You know, I grew up in San Antonio, Texas, and I didn't see beautiful birds like I have in East Texas, like we have in East Texas. All I saw was those nasty old sparrows that would just build their nest in telephone poles, and they would drag the nest. You'd see, you'd see their nest would be dragging, and they were just ugly, nasty birds. And God's second, you know, he even, he even feeds the sparrows, that the nastiest of all birds. And there may be nastier birds, but to me, that's all I knew when I was growing up. And how much more? Aren't you more valuable than they? And who of you being worried about a single, a single hour can add a single hour to your life? You can't. And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil. Now, there's the word toiling, and they don't spin. Yet I say to you, not even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is to 
which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will not will not much more will not God much more clothe you, you of little faith. So you see, if I'm toiling or spinning, it's a it's a it's a faith problem, which is rooted in uh, fear. Fear is the opposite of faith. Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles, that's the worldly, a type of the worldly people, they eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God. In other words, have a single heart, and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So, God is telling us in this passage, he's not telling us not to work. He's not telling us, he's telling, in other words, he says, if you don't work, you don't eat. But it's how you work. If you're striving according to the mighty power working in you versus um, striving after the wind. Um, And that is, you know, the lilies, they didn't, they don't toil or spin. You know, years ago, I was walking, um, in this in my neighborhood and it was so windy that I was walking toward the wind and it was actually pushing me backwards it was so strong but coming back it was to my back and it it the wind pushed me along my path and so when we strive according to God's mighty power it's like his holy spirit is pushing us versus when we strive after the flesh it's like we're pushing against the wind and so it's how you work That's important. When you're walking in the spirit, you will be working, but you will be, uh, the Bible says that sons of God are led by the spirit of God. You'll be led by him. You'll be um, enabled by him. His power will be poured out upon you. Matthew 6, 34, it says, so do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. Psalms 46.10 says, be still, and this is King James says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I'll be exalted in the earth. The the New American Standard says in Psalms 46.10, cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations, and I'll be exalted in the earth. So God manifests himself in stillness when we're still he reveals himself to us because so he says, be still and know that I'm God. So we're not to worry or fret because that's all rooted in fear. Uh, the dictionary definition of fret means to be constantly and visibly worried or anxious. The definition of fretting through the Bible dictionary study to, it says that fretting and to fret means to eat or to consume kind of sounds like cancer to me and so when you fret you worry so much about something that it eats away at you and fretting comes from the old english word freton which means to devour like an animal and when you fret over something it consumes your thoughts psalm 37 1 says do not fret because of evildoers the people that have done you wrong, you know, it could be family members that, you know, don't give you the time of day. It could be someone else that's hurt you. It could be 
these politicians, you know, I found myself uh, fretting over the evil that's going on in the world. And God says, don't fret. You know, God's in charge of everything. He says he laughs because he sees their day coming. So do not fret because of evildoers or be envious toward wrongdoers. And I encourage you to read all of Psalm 37. It goes on to say, delight yourself in the Lord and you'll have the desires of your heart. To delight yourself in the Lord to mean make your heart soft, tender, and pliable toward him. Psalm 37, 7 says, rest in the Lord, wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. Psalms 37, 8 says, cease from anger. So you see that anger is tied in with this. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evildoing, and evildoers will be cut off. Psalms 24, verse 19 says, do not fret because of evildoers or be envious of the wicked. Psalms 94, 9 says, Psalms 94, 19 says, when my anxious thoughts multiplied within me, your consolations delight my soul. There's been times in my life where I was grieving over a son who was living a homosexual lifestyle. I prayed for him for 20 years. And had it not been for the word of God, I would have perished in my affliction. So there's been so many times that I've been so distressed had it not been for God's word, his word, his consolations delighted my soul. And that's what kept me going. Psalms 139.23 says, search me, O God, and know my heart and know my anxious thoughts. And that's what we need to do is say, Lord, search our hearts in any area that we're sick any area that we've got pain or sickness, we need to ask God to search our heart. You know, pain comes out of vexation. Ecclesiastes um, 11.10 says, so remove vexation from your heart and put pain out of your body. The word vexation means grief, sorrow, anger, provocation, hurt, um, idolatry, because in whatever has distressed me or vexed me, I didn't turn to God with it, and it can be a childhood issue. I didn't turn to God. I turned to uh, an idol. Isaiah 35.4 says, Say to those with anxious heart, Take courage. Fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. The recompense of God will come, but he will save you. And there's only one way that we are to strive, and it's according to the mighty power of God that works within us. And I've already given you the illustration of of pushing against the wind versus letting the wind push you. And, of course, wind's the type of the Holy Spirit. Luke 13, 24 says, strive to enter. Um, And the word strive means to struggle, to fight, to enter, to endeavor, to accomplish is what that word strive means in in the Greek. Strive to enter. Through the narrow way, for many, I tell you, will seek to enter, but will not be able. You know, there's a narrow way that leads to eternal life, and there's few there be that finds it, the Bible says. And the narrow way is the way of the cross. It's the way of me putting to death the deeds of my flesh in order to walk the narrow way. And, and you know, it, it means to deny myself, take up my cross, and follow the Lord. And, you know, what that means is that you choose God's way over his way 
you choose God's way over your way, his attitudes over your attitudes, his word over your word, his plan over your plan. And for me to do that, I have to choose against myself. And so it's only in choosing against myself that I'm able to walk the narrow way. And, of course, thank God for his grace. So God tells me to sit, to strive to enter uh, the narrow way. Romans 15:30 says, Now I urge you, brethren, by the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God to strive, which means to struggle, to enter with me in your prayers to God for me. In other words, to, to struggle in prayer with him. First uh, Timothy 4:10 says, For it is for this we labor and strive, and that word means compete for the prize, because we have fixed our hope on the living God, who is the Savior of men, especially of for believers. And so we strive with our hope fixed on him, not on anything that we think we can do, but by his grace and power we do it. The word disease comes from an old French word meaning dis, which means uh, lacking, uh, ease, which means lacking peace. And so the definition of disease uh, basically is lacking or to be without uh, peace. So the word by definition means lacking peace. So disease means lacking peace. So any area that we lack peace, eventually it will bring about disease in that part of our body. Isaiah 26, 3 says, he will keep us in perfect peace when my mind, when our mind is stayed upon him. I believe it's 26, 2. I'm sorry. Uh, he will keep us in perfect peace when our mind is stayed upon him because we're trusting in him. And so whenever we uh, are not trusting him and our mind's not stayed upon him, we lack peace. Parental inverted people and people that are performance-oriented types of people, they have a hard time having peace. They have a hard time resting. A parental inverted person is a person that grows up in a home where they have to take on responsibilities that little children should never take on. Um, they may have to be the mama, the daddy, have to take care of brothers and sisters, um, having to carry loads that little children shouldn't have to, to carry. And basically the parents push them into a role of, of authority or out into rebellion, which they never wanted to be. And so they have a hard time resting uh, because they were trained up to have to care for everybody else. And they're very dependable people. They're very responsible people. They're very strong people. But nobody ever carries them. They carry everybody else. And so to be parental inverted means that I have to put the the government on Jesus' shoulders where it belongs and to take everybody else off of my shoulders, off my back. Um, p- kids that grow up parental inverted, they have the government on their shoulders and the government belongs on Jesus' shoulders. And then people that are uh, performance-oriented grow up in homes to where they learn the only way they can get acceptance maybe is by being uh, responsible, dependable, taking care of everything. And so that's their, um, uh, how can I say it? That's their identification of love 
is that if I carry everybody, then I'm loved and accepted. And, and a person sometimes that is uh, performance-oriented, they can be very prideful, perfectionistic, intolerant of other people. And those are things that have to be repented of. So it's absolutely true, and it's possible to have such perfect peace that we never get sick. If disease means lack of peace, then when in any area that I lack peace, I can open myself up to disease and disease and sickness. A peace, according to Strong's Dictionary, means completed, completeness in number, safety, soundness in body, it's in soundness in work, in welfare, in health, and prosperity. Philippians 4, 6 says, be anxious for nothing, but by but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request be known to God and the peace of God, which surpasseth all knowledge will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 8 says, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good report, if there's anything excellent or anything worthy of praise, they were to dwell, think on these things. Psalms 23 says that the Lord is my shepherd and he leads me in paths of righteousness and he leads me beside still waters. Still waters, if you've ever seen, been on a lake and the water's still or a river where it, it doesn't seem like it's moving, but um, he leads me beside peaceful still waters. And so if I'm not being led by peaceful still waters, I'm not being led by him. Proverbs chapter 3 says, all his ways are pleasant ways and all his paths are paths of peace. I remember years ago, my son was dying of AIDS. My husband was uh, getting ready to leave me again for the second time. And, but I had, I had such peace. And my neighbor said to me one day, she said, Jerry, you have, you have so many problems. And I thought, you know, maybe I'm just deceived because I have peace and I'm happy. And in spite of all that's going on in my life, I have God's perfect peace. But I thought, well, God, I don't want to be deceived. Am I, am I deceived? So I began to pray, am I deceived? And I went up to Maine to visit my granddaughters, and I was reading uh, to them from Proverbs 3. And when I read where it says, all of God's paths are paths of peace, and all his ways are pleasant ways, God showed me that I was not being deceived, that I could have his perfect peace in the midst of the storm. Isaiah 9, 6 says, for unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders. And see if I'm friendly inverted. <clears throat> I grew up having to take care of everybody. I've got the government on my shoulders, and so I need to one of, one of the ways of getting delivered is to reach up and take all that government and put it on Jesus' shoulders. It said, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. He's the Prince of Peace. He is the Word of God. He is the Prince of Peace. And as we align ourselves with the Word of God through dying to our flesh, we can have God's perfect peace. Thank God that he tells us that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. 
And so uh, how do we have a tranquil heart? You know, in John 12, 20, there were some Greeks among those who were going up to worship at the feast. These then came to Philip, who was at Bethsaida of Galilee, and began to ask, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And Philip came and told him, told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip came and told Jesus. So they wanted to see Jesus, and this was Jesus' answer. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. So he's saying, if you want to see Jesus, uh, if you want Jesus to be seen in you, and you want to see Jesus, then Jesus gives the answer here in John 12, 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. And, of course, it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control. Now, Jesus is saying this grain of wheat has to fall to the ground and die, and he's referring to us. You know, when, when you plant a grain of corn, for example, the moisture in the soil corrodes the outward shell of that corn, and life springs forth. So God is telling us that when we crucify our flesh, because we're a spirit that lives in a body and we have a soul, that when we crucify our flesh, bring our body into subjection, and we crucify our flesh, we're like that grain of wheat that falls to the ground and dies. And if we don't do that, we abide alone. But if we die, we produce much fruit. So that's fruitfulness. And basically, God will not take any fruit other than the fruit that's produced when we're dead to our flesh. John twelve twenty five says, He who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world keeps it to life eternal. I believe the King James says, He who holds on to his life loses it, but whoever gives it up for my sake finds it. So for me to give up my life, I'm crucifying the flesh. When I choose God's way over my way, his attitudes over my attitudes, his plan over my plan, his word over my plan, then I'm crucifying my flesh. I'm denying myself. You know, Derek Prince, Derek Prince says, denying yourself, uh, sometimes we think it's um, taking up the cross and following the Lord. We think our cross is our mate. We think our cross is our bills. We think our cross is our single life. We think our cross is our kids or what we have or we don't have but he says your cross is every place that your life crosses the will of God that's the cross you have to bear and that's walking the narrow way so when we crucify our flesh we're dead to ourselves. we have peace there's no striving there's no fretting there's no stewing there's no worry um, there's no stress and because our flesh has been crucified, we're a perfect candidate for healing. Because the word tranquil means to cure, it means medicine, it means to sew together, it means to mend. And so whenever I crucify my flesh, I have a tranquil heart. When I don't crucify my flesh, I have that passion that's rottening my bones, that anger, rivalry, jealousy, envy. It rottens my bones. And so passion is opposite to 
a tranquil heart. Second Corinthians 4, 7, Paul said, we have this treasure in earthen vessels, and we know that's Christ in us. Uh, Colossians 1, 27 says, Christ in me is the hope of glory. We have this treasure in an earthen vessel so that the surpassing greatness of our power will be of God and not from ourselves. So when we live in the flesh, we're, we are, the power that we're using is our own power, and we're pushing against the wind rather than letting the, the wind of the Holy Spirit push us. Second Corinthians 4, 8 says, we're, we're afflicted in every way. This is what Paul says, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not despairing. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. And 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 so, how could Paul say this? That he was. Um, how could he say that he was? Uh, let me go back here. Afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not despairing. Persecuted, but not forsaken struck down but not destroyed how could he say that and so he's given here he's given us the key and the answer right here to extrample life always caring about in the body the dying of jesus so that the life of jesus may be manifested in our body and that word manifested in the greek means to made actual to be made visible um so when we die to our flesh, the life of Jesus is manifested in our life, made visible. And then we produce fruit. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to, Je- for, to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death works in us, but life in you. So he's saying that when he that when he dies to his flesh, letting Jesus manifest his life in him, and he's dead to the flesh, he's working life in you. Example, if I'm teaching here and I'm not dead to my flesh, I'm working death in every person that I'm teaching. But if I'm dead to my flesh and I choose to be dead to my flesh, I'm working life in you. So death works in me and us, but life in you. And so that's why it's so important to sit under pastors and teachers that have made Jesus Lord. There's no perfect person on this earth, but that's why it's important to live, to, to sit under teachers that, that are walking in the spirit and not the flesh. So Paul gives the secret of overcoming stress, anxiety, tension, stress, fretting, stewing, worry, toiling, Isaiah 53 says that he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of his peace, of our peace, fell upon him. It says he was despised and forsaken by all men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He died on the cross at Calvary for us. In 1 Peter 2.24, it says that Christ came and died that we might die to sin, live to righteousness, and by his stripes be healed. Now, there's three things I want you to notice in this passage. Is that, first of all, to die to sin would be died in your flesh, live to righteousness, and that means not just occasional good. It means to have a consistent walk of righteousness, 
by aligning your life with the Word of God each day. And like I say, nobody's perfect. We're all a work in progress. But as much as you know how, you choose to go God's way in every situation. Uh, it's a consistent walk of righteousness. It says, and then after you said, die to sin, die to your flesh, live to righteousness, a consistent, consistent walk, and by his stripes heal. Now, if I'm basing my righteousness on what I do, if I'm a performance-oriented person, I'm thinking, you know, I have to do this. I, I used to be so self-righteous, but because, you know, I had a, I had a holy list. Uh, I had to pray every day, and I had to read the Bible every day, and I had to speak in tongues, and I had to go to church, and I had to do all this. And because I did all those things, I was so self-righteous because I was basing my righteousness on what I did rather than what Christ did for me. If you would have said, Jerry, if you could judge yourself between 1 and 10, would you say you're, what would you say? And I'd have said, I'm a 10. But you see, if I'd have said I was a 1, I'd be basing my righteousness on what I've done. I thank God he's delivered me from that because now I pray because I love God. I want an intimate relationship with him. I tithe because I want to uh, give honor to God. Um, I I go to church because I want to fellowship with other believers. Uh, I want the gifts of the Spirit. I do those things for, for only one reason, because I love God and not because I'm trying to, to um, keep a holy list. You know, on the days I did all that list, I'm telling you, I was so self-righteous. On the days if I missed one little thing, I felt like a worm. And praise God, I don't have that problem anymore of being self-righteous or basing my righteousness on what I do rather than what Jesus did for me at Calvary. The scripture says that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He made him who knew no sin to be made sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so people that are performance oriented can be legalistic uh, because they are trying to perform. And so they're basing their righteousness on what, on being like a good person. But it's the righteousness of Jesus. I live by the faith of the Son of God. And you know, when I let, when I die to myself, I'm letting Jesus, because I have this treasure in an earthen vessel, I'm letting Jesus walk around in my body and act like who he is. When I'm living after the flesh, uh, I'm being a, a, a mouthpiece for the devil, and the flesh is really manifesting the character and nature of Satan, which is Galatians 5.19. When I die to my flesh, the fruit of the Spirit, which is the character and nature of Jesus, is produced in me. It's his love, his joy, his peace, his long-suffering, his gentleness, his goodness, his faith, his meekness, and self-control. Romans 8, 3 says, if I walk in the Spirit, I'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I'm sorry, Galatians says, if you walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But in Romans, it says, Sons of God are led by the Spirit of God, for we have not received a spirit of fear, um, a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but we've received a spirit whereby we cry out, Abba, Abba Father. It goes on to say above that, that if you're living according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you're putting to death the deeds of the flesh, you'll live. Could, could this be the root cause of why some of us have confessed for years and years and years, by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed, and maybe be worse off today than we were 10 years ago? 
but we've been confessing by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. Could this be the reason why I'm not healed? It's because I've been too much living after my flesh. I believe so. I believe that this is what God has shown me. And so when I'm dying to my flesh, this puts me in the secret place. Psalms 91 says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High God will abide under the shadow and protection of the Almighty. A secret place is not a place to visit once a year or every six months, but it's a place to dwell and abide and to stay there. It's a place, it should be our address of where we live. And we can only stay there if we keep our flesh subjected and keep our uh, keep on choosing against ourselves to choose uh, to align ourselves with the word of God. But Psalms 91 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High God will abide under the shadow and protection of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, You're my fortress, my God, You're my deliverer, in whom I take refuge. I'll not be afraid of the terror by night or the arrow that flies by day. Uh, a thousand will fall at my side, ten thousand at my right hand, but it will not come near me. I'll only look on my, with my eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. No evil will befall me, no disease, no plague will get me. And so this should be our address and where we're living and abiding. So living the crucified life is not an occasional thing, but it should be a consistent thing, a consistent walk of staying in the secret place. I'm thankful for God for my the problems that I've had since Labor Day. God has really used this to bring me into the secret place. And I'm not in there. I mean, I'm not saying I've arrived because I'm just working at it. And I'm thankful that God has brought me into a relationship that I've had, but it's a deeper, uh, deeper walk. God wants to take us all higher. Uh, and, you know, no matter where you are, there's always a place that he wants to take you higher. And so we have to live and abide in the vine. You know, the, the life in the vine pushes off the dead leaves. If you see, you know, if you have a tree or a, a vine, the life in that tree keeps pushing off every year dead leaves. I live in East Texas, and I live uh, among a lot of, uh, in the middle of a bunch of trees that when they shed, I mean, it's almost like leaves are waist deep. Not that bad, but they're everywhere. See, the life in that tree pushes off the dead leaves. And when we stay abiding in him and keep our life crucified with him, denying ourselves, taking up our cross, his life in us produces, uh, pushes off the deadness, pushes out the sin, pushes off the sickness. The scripture says that when his Holy Spirit quickens our mortal body because of the spirit that's dwelling within us. And so the life in the vine pushes off the deadness and produces uh, the fruit in our life. It's the fruit of his Holy Spirit. It's his fruit. Uh, It's his character, his nature. And Jesus gives us the invitation in Matthew 11, 28 through 30, where he says, Come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. For me to come to him, I have to come under his control. And that means I have to give up control. And I believe that God has shown me that having a a consistently tranquil heart is the key to living in divine health. 1 Corinthians 9.26, Paul says, Therefore, I run in such a way as 
should not be without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. In other words, if I'm striving after my flesh and living after my flesh, everything I do is wood, hay, and stubble. God doesn't receive anything except what he does through me. And so when I am living after my flesh, I'm boxing and by just beating the air. It's pointless and fruitless, and it makes me sick. First Corinthians 9.27, Paul said, But I discipline my body and make it my slave. King James says, I bring my body under subjection, so that even after I have preached to others, I will not be disqualified. King James says, be a castaway. Galatians 2.20, Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So it's a com- consistent place that I need to uh, strive to enter the narrow gate. And the way I do that is to endeavor um, to compete for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. First Corinthians fifteen thirty six says, You fool. That which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. So when I crucify, so how do I crucify my flesh and how do I let go? If you're a person that um, is famous for doing things your way or being so uh, responsible and so dependable and you're striving after the wind, let go. Just stop it. Um, If you're parental inverted, and you've had to carry everybody, and nobody's ever nurtured you or carried you, then just let go. Cast all your care on the Lord. Take the government off your shoulders. Put it on Jesus' shoulders. People that are parental inverted have a hard time resting. They're, they're the most spot, responsible, dependable people. I mean, you couldn't ask for more... Um, efficient people but they've never had anyone to nurture them and that can be one of the causes of breast cancer and it can be a cause if if i'm if i haven't dealt with the grief of of not being nurtured or whatever else that has to do with nurturing breast has to do with nurturing and i'm just using that as an example it could be eating away at me because i haven't yet dealt with it through deliverance and through repentance and through forgiving others and through grief the scripture says grief wastes away your eyes Uh, if you're performance oriented you may have to be a person that quits jumping through hoops and just stop it if you've been taught that the Lord helps those that help themselves realize that the only ones he can't help are those that will not admit they're helpless If you're a competitive person, quit competing. Because when you compete, it's all pride and you're taking all the glory for it. And you're usurping the glory of God. If you never can rest, you may have to just uh, take off about a month and just stay in bed. And just make yourself, you're going to have to reverse whatever you've been doing. If you're toiling and spinning... Stop it. If you're fretting and stewing, stop it. Let it go. Take it to the cross. 
everything that bothers you, everything that harasses you, everything that worries you, everything that frets you, everything you're fretting about or striving about, take it up to the cross. And I've shared this before in in messages of how to live a stress-free life. I take it up the mountain like Abraham took up Isaac. It doesn't sound like a good thing to take your only son up the mountain and put a knife to him, but I take the things that bother me, trouble me, vex me, make me worried or fearful. I just take it up the mountain and I just let it go, which is crucifying your flesh. Have I arrived? No, but I can tell you, I, I live without fear. Even though what I've been going through, I have no fear. And uh, because I keep it on God's altar and that's what you have to do. And like I say, we're all a work in progress and it's a progressive thing for God to teach us how to walk the narrow way as we align ourselves with the word of God. And there's only one way to come into his rest and that's by the invitation he gives to come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. And he said, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble, and you shall find rest for your soul, for my burden is light and my load is easy. For me to come under his yoke, I have to take off my self-inflicted yoke. I have to take off the yokes of my family members. I have to take off every yoke of pride, every yoke of performance, every yoke that got me bound, and I've got to Come under the yoke of Jesus, which is to come under his control. And I had to give up control of my life. And another way of illustrating it is the potter's wheel. You know, he's the potter and I'm the clay. And the clay, if you've ever seen a real live potter, the clay does nothing but rest on the potter's wheel. And that's a picture of total surrender. And for me to totally surrender, there are some things I'm going to have to give up. I may have to give up some movies I've been watching. Let me tell you something. Hollywood is so corrupt. I I was listening to uh, something the other day, and I forgot where I was even listening. Oh, this girl who was a writer for Hollywood, she was saying the only – there's lots of talent out in Hollywood. Lots of writers are talent. There's a lot of actors. But unless you're willing to say, I'll do anything for this position, um, you don't get it. And so – They've sold their souls to the devil, most of them. And so you're perverting and polluting your life with movies, with TV. Uh, There's things that you're doing that you're going to have to stop to crucify your flesh. You know what? If it felt good, it wouldn't be crucifying the flesh. But ask for God's grace to be poured out upon you to let go of your life so that you can come into God's rest. When you hold on to your life, uh, you lose it. You give it up for God's sake and you find it and give up. You know, um, a way to give up, for example, this is an example. If a, if a swimmer, if a person doesn't know how to swim and they fall in the lake and they start beating the water, they'll drown. But if they just lay back and float, they won't drown. And so basically the Christian life is laying back and letting and floating Versus in beating the air and striving and fretting and stewing and toiling and being anxious and being fearful. Fear is faith in what the devil says versus uh, faith is what God says. 
So believe God's word. I listened to a message the other day on uh, walking in the spirit, how to walk in the spirit. And it really ministered to me. I think I'd heard it before, but I just, you know, sometimes you have listened. Well, I listened again. And the, the example that was given is that Moses, um, when, the, when the children of Israel left Egypt and Pharaoh was after them, the children of Israel, the, all they saw was the Egyptian army after them. They saw the water and they were going to drown. But Moses, all he saw was God. And he lifted up his rod and the, and the Red Sea parted. Because he had his eyes on God. Another um, example would be Caleb and Joshua, and the children of Israel, and the spies that went in to to search out the promised land. The spies never mentioned God. They came back and they said the giants are so big that we were like grasshoppers in their sight, and the grapes were so huge that they had took two men to carry them. And uh, but Caleb and Joshua it says they followed God fully. And uh, that all they did was say that God's already given us the victory. All they talked about was God, and they were the ones that entered the promised land. And so when we go through trials, we don't need to look at the circumstances by what our eyes see. We need to look at God and look at his promises and just rest in whatever he wants to do. Because if you're his, you're his possession. And so when we're his possession... He's the boss and the king and the master of our lives. And so if you can receive that, ask the Lord to show you what you need to let go of, and then um, I'll take you through deliverance. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, and let me say, you've got to know Jesus. If you, you To have a tranquil heart, you've got to be born again. The scripture says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things pass away, and behold, all things become new. And so I'm not talking about a head knowledge of believing in Jesus like the devil and the demons believe, but I'm talking about a born-again experience when everything that's in your head gets down in your heart and gives you a new heart and new mind. God says that he will take out your stony heart and give you a heart of flesh, and that he'll give you a new life and new attitudes and new, um, new ways to think. I remember a time after I became born again, I wasn't even in church, but I knew that something had happened to me. I knew that I had become a new creation in Christ, and a curse word came out of my mouth, and I used to curse like a sailor, and a curse word came out of my mouth, and I wasn't even in church. The Spirit of God has said, God, that doesn't sound like anything that a Christian ought to say, and God delivered me about 60 years ago from profanity. And so if any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. You can't be the same old way. If you've been born again, you know that you know that you know that you've been born again. There's no doubt about it. You cannot explain it. And so if you've accepted the Lord and you've never had an experience to where you know you've had a heart change, you need to be born again. And Jesus said, if any man would come after me, he has to deny himself. If you've Receive Jesus as Savior, but there's never been a time when you've denied yourself. That's how you become born again, by denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following him. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, forgive me for fear, anxiety, stress. Forgive me for passion that's rotten my bones. Forgive me for anger, rivalry, striving, fretting, stewing. Forgive me for sexual passion. Forgive me for passionately being angry. Forgive me for anger and wrath. 
God, forgive me for not being willing to die to myself. Forgive me for not forgive me for walking the broad way instead of the narrow way. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just uh, ask that you heal my body. I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you will forgive me for being anxious for everything. Uh, God, forgive me for um, not buffeting my body and bringing my body under subjection. Lord, you're the way, the truth, and the life, and you said no man can come to you except by, by Jesus. Forgive me for not seeking first your kingdom and your righteousness. Forgive me for toiling. Forgive me for working uh, extremely hard and incessantly according to my power and, and not according to your power. Forgive me for being lazy and not working at all. Forgive me for being for, for toiling, for striving, for stewing. For God, forgive me for not having a clear single eye for you. Forgive me for not having dove's eye. Lord, I ask you to forgive me for not seeking first your kingdom and your righteousness. Forgive me for storing up for myself treasures on earth. God, forgive me for uh, trying to serve two masters. Forgive me for not having a single eye. Forgive me for storing up for myself uh, treasures on earth and not treasures that I can take to heaven. Forgive me for idolatry. God, forgive me for tension, stress, worry, fretting, stewing, uh, striving after the flesh. Forgive me for fear. Forgive me for idolatry. God, forgive me for um, not having a tranquil heart. Forgive me for not being like that grain of wheat that falls to the ground and dies. Lord, I've been rejected, abiding alone. But you said if I die, I'll produce much fruit. Forgive me for living a fruitless life. Forgive me for producing uh, fleshly fruit that has no value to you. Forgive me for not letting you, Lord, uh, live your life through me. Lord, I come under your control. God, I ask you to forgive me for uh, not considering the lilies. Forgive me for being double-minded. Forgive me for having a bad eye, a striving eye, toiling eye. Forgive me, Lord, for um, fretting, trying to serve two masters. Forgive me for hating you, Lord. Forgive me for worried about being worried about so many things. Forgive me for not considering the lilies that neither toil or spin. Lord, it's all twisted. The lilies totally trust you to take care of them. The sparrows, the birds, they trust you to take care of them. And Lord, you clothe them greater than Solomon in all of his glory. Forgive me for seeking what the world seeks. Wanting things, being greedy, not seeking first your kingdom. Forgive me for worrying about tomorrow. Lord, you've always taken care of me. Forgive me for not being still. Forgive me for being too busy. 
this being a busy body, busy in the flesh, and not developing an intimate relationship with you. Forgive me for not being still so that I can know that you're God. Lord, I ask you to manifest yourself to me. Forgive me for striving. Forgive me for fear. Forgive me for being constantly and visibly worried and anxious. Forgive me for fretting. Lord, I've been eaten up, been consumed. I've been so worried that it's eaten away at me, at my soul. I forgive everyone who has, um, forgive my parents for not nurturing me. Forgive me that I, I forgive them for training me up that I had to nurture everybody else. I ask you to break that default. Lord, I've been being devoured and consumed in my thoughts. Forgive me for fretting over evildoers and politicians and not resting in you and waiting patiently for you. Forgive me for fretting because of those who prosper. Forgive me for jealousy, envy, covetousness. Lord, I choose to cease from anger. I repent of anger. I forsake wrath. Lord, forgive me for fretting that's led to evil doing, which would cause you to cut me off. Forgive me for fretting because of evildoers, because of and being envious of other people and of the wicked. Lord, when my anxious thoughts have multiplied against me, Lord, forgive me that I haven't been in your word to console my soul. Lord, search me and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. Lord, forgive me for being a coward. Forgive me for fearing everything. Forgive me for striving, not striving according to the mighty power that works within me. Forgive me for striving against you instead of letting you push me along like the wind. Forgive me for not struggling to fight, to endeavor to accomplish uh, entering the narrow way, to enter the narrow way. Forgive me for not being so consumed with making a living or being bu- being uh, busy that I have neglected you. Forgive me for not being in your word. Forgive me for not spending time with you. Forgive me for not striving together with others in prayer. God, forgive me for not laboring and striving to contend for the prize. Forgive me for not fixing my hope on the living God. Forgive me for fixing my hope on myself. God, forgive me for not uh, being steadfast. Forgive me, Lord, for uh, that my mind has not been stayed upon you. I forgive my parents for training me up to take care of everybody else for whatever reason, Lord. I forgive them for throwing me into a state of rebellion. Forgive me for rebellion, putting me in a position of authority. Uh, Lord, forgive me for being bitter and angry and forgive them, Lord, that I never got any attention except by being um, performance-oriented, being loved based on the things I did. 
God, I give all that up. Forgive me for the idolatry of wanting people to notice how efficient that I am. I forgive my parents, Lord, for loving me based on my performance. Uh, forgive them for rejection by rejecting me, by making me parental inverted, training me up to set a default in my life to take care of everybody and no one take care of me. Lord, I pray that you bring me into such a state of peace that I can live in divine health. Forgive me for being anxious for everything and not praying and offering prayers to you so that the peace of God that transcends all knowledge will guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. God, forgive me that whatever has been honorable and true and pure and righteous and whatever that has been of good report and excellent and worthy of praise, Lord, I haven't dwelled on these things. Forgive me for, Lord, not letting you lead me in paths of righteousness and besides still waters. Thank you that you are wonderful counselor, almighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And Lord, the government's on your shoulders and the government's been on my shoulders. And wherever the government's been on my shoulders, Lord, I take it off my shoulders and I put it on your shoulders. And Lord, I ask you to pick up every person who has never been nurtured and trottle them lovingly, bounce them up and down on your God's maternal knees. Help them give up their performance. Forgive me for living after the flesh, Lord, which is causing me death. Lord, I want to see Jesus, and I want other people to see your glory in me, and it's only as I die to me, like the grain of wheat that falls to the ground and dies and abides alone, it's only as I die to myself that your glory will be manifested in my life. Lord, I want to see your glory. I choose to give up my life that I might find it. Forgive me for holding on to my life. Lord, forgive me for not caring about in my body the dying of Jesus, that the life of Jesus might be manifested in my mortal flesh. I want to say like Paul, Lord, he overcame all these things because he died to his flesh. I want death to work in me so that I can work life in other people, other people. Thank you, Lord, that you were wounded for my transgressions, bruised for my iniquities, and the chastisement of my peace fell upon you. And, Lord, I choose to die to sin, my flesh, live to righteousness, and by your stripes be healed. And, Lord, I thank you that I don't see salvation, but I believe I have it by faith. I don't see healing, but, God, I thank you that by faith, just as much as you died to save me, you died to heal me. Even though I don't see it, Lord, I thank you that that does not make it any less true. I don't see salvation, but I have it. 
Forgive me for not walking in the spirit. Lord, I want to be in the secret place, to dwell in your secret place, dwell under the shadow and protection of the Almighty, where no plague can come near my dwelling. Lord, forgive me for just visiting there or never being there, never knowing that peace, never knowing where, what it means to dwell in the secret place of the Most High God. Lord, I want to make that my address, not just a place that I visit. Forgive me, Lord, for experiencing spurts of you uh, as an occasional thing, but I want it to be consistent, Lord, a consistent walk, moment by moment, dying to myself and how I need you, Lord, to do that. I can't do it. I don't have no grace. I cannot even do good unless you help me, Lord. Forgive me for not abiding in the vine. Lord, I do come unto you. I labor. I'm heavy laden. I give up control of my life, and I ask you to yoke my neck with your yoke. I break off self-inflicted yokes, the control of other people. I break off the yokes of other people. I break off my own yoke, self-inflicted yoke. Lord, forgive me for um, boxing without aim, just beating the air because I've been living after my flesh. Lord, forgive me for not disciplining my body. I want to do that in the future. Uh, Lord, I want to make my body a slave, bring it into subjection, so that after I preach to others, I'll not be a castaway. I want to say and mean it, Lord, that I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Thank you that I have a, this treasure in an earthen vessel, Christ in me, the hope of glory. And, Lord, forgive me for thinking that I can sow and it come to life because I haven't died to myself. So that means everything I've sown hasn't come to life because it, I haven't died to myself. Lord, I let go of what I can do, of striving, fretting, stewing. I I repent of carrying everybody. I break the expectation that nobody ever nurtures me or takes care of me because I wasn't taking care of a child. Lord, forgive me for performing. Forgive me for competition. Forgive me for performing for acceptance. Lord, that's idolatry. I ask you to forgive me. I admit that I cannot do it. I forgive my parents for teaching me the Lord helps them that helps themselves. Forgive me for being competitive, usurping your authority, Lord. Uh, I can only accomplish things with you working in me. And, Lord, show me how that I can reverse this unrest that's in my life, that I can change the unrest to rest. I break the curse of unrest. Forgive me for toiling and spinning. I choose to stop it. Forgive me for fretting and stewing. I repent. I stop it. Lord, I come under your yoke. And, Lord, I get on your potter's wheel. And thank you that you're the potter and I'm the clay. And the potter does all the work. All I do is rest in your arms 
by giving up control of my life and breaking the control that other people have had over my life in Jesus' name. Lord, I just uh, forgive every person that's hurt me. And, Lord, I just break soul ties with any person that's hurt them with their family members or any person that they have sinned with or who sinned against them with their parents, their siblings, their brothers, their sisters. We just call back anything of theirs that got on them and send back anything of theirs that got on them. We change their image for the image of Christ in Jesus' name. I command every demonic spirit to leave in the name of Jesus. And, Lord, I ask you to impart to your children honor, respect, inheritance, peace, tranquility, healing, health. Uh, Lord, I ask you to impart to them authority and honor and respect. Impart to them, Lord, by your grace to obey, to walk in the spirit. Lord, I ask you to impart healing. I ask you to remove all pain from every person's body in the name of Jesus. I break the power of fretting and stewing. I break the power of every spirit that would hinder um, hinder tranquility. I break the power of unrest. And, Lord, I ask by your grace that you will draw each person and they'll run after you. Quicken them and they will call on your name. Lord, that they'll draw near to you so that you draw near to them. I thank you, Lord, for what you've done in each life tonight. I thank you for the healing power of your word. Thank you that you sent your word to heal us. And that you are the word of God. And I thank you and praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Well, give the Lord a praise. And if you uh, want prayer, you can call at 646-595-4784. And don't forget to press 1. I'll tell you a little bit about Abiding Life while we're waiting. Abiding Life Ministry was formed in 1978 by my late husband. And my little sister named the the uh, ministry, Abiding Life Ministries. Uh, I've been having deliverance and healing meetings in Duncanville, Texas, but the, but we will not be in Duncanville anymore as of uh, January the 4th, to, uh, 2020. We're starting in Corsicana, Texas. And if you'd like a flyer, if you will sign up on my website, <clears throat> jerrymcgee.com. And that's all lowercase, G-E-R-I-N-C-G-H-E-E.com. Sign up for my uh, email, and I'll send out flyers to give you the directions to the church. I'll be at Lake Hamilton Bible Camp December the 27th and the 28th and the, and the morning of the 29th. Um, I'll be at a spiritual warfare conference in March. And so if you want my schedule, you can see it on the web, on my website. If you want a meeting scheduled in your church or in your city or in your home Bible uh, study, I'll be happy to come. Just email me at jerrymcgee at sbcglobal.net. That's G-E-R-I-M-C-G-H-E-E at S like Sam, B like boy, C like cat, global.net. Um, you can go on my website. There's lots of free CDs you can listen to with deliverance prayers. Um, and I'll be back on Blog Talk Radio uh, the first Friday of January. And then it'll be the first uh, first Friday of each uh, of each month. 
and the third Tuesday of each month on Blog Talk Radio. From 6 to 8 p.m., I hope you'll invite your friends to listen. Um, There's lots of free articles that you can print out, a lot of free CDs you can listen to, a lot of books you can order. I recommend Clearing the Land. It's a little repentance book that I did in 1985. You can actually get deliverance just going through the book. It lists all the Bible curses that you can check off prayers to pray, and I've had people tell me they actually get deliverance. Uh, when they when they do that, um, there's a book I've written that I recommend called a Resetting Life's Negative Reaping Patterns. It tells you how to change the negative reaping to the positive. Uh, there's a book I wrote on grief um, and how to enter God's rest. And um, I encourage you to uh, email me at McGee all lowercase, G-E-R-I-M-C-G-H-E-E, at sbcglobal.net. And uh, I love to hear what God's done in your life. I'll be glad to answer your emails. And um, I love to hear what God's done in your life. And I hope you'll listen again and you'll invite others to listen. Well, if there's no one calling in, I say may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and give you even more peace.